we don't want to play because this barricade's really shaky up here. I'm sorry to have to talk to you about this. It's about music, you know, that's why we're here. But also, you know, if something happens up front, someone's gonna fucking die. And that's not what this is about. And then nothing's worth that. This band and this music and you guys and us, it's all about life, all right? Please be good to each other. Back up, dance where you're standing, don't move forward. Let's try this out. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in the truck. a definitive live Pearl Jam podcast and this is the first official episode of 2020 the new decade the new year and guess what the new series we are starting our brand new series today called the around the world special where we're going to do every other episode or so we're going to go around the world in the full year it's probably going to take us the full stretch of time to do almost every country that Pearl Jam has ever played in. We're going to try to get in at least one show from each country, from New Zealand to Japan to the Philippines to Hungary and Portugal and Spain, Chile, uh, Costa Rica, all of those places. So this is going to be a really cool event that we are starting right now. Randy Sobel here, John Farrar over there. Hello and welcome, sir. Hello, how are you? Doing good. Yeah, this is this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. I mean, it's one of those things that we've been teasing for a while, and now we actually get to get, get, to get into it. So, yeah, we're going to get to cover a lot of shows that we probably wouldn't have otherwise. So, yeah, I'm really excited to get into it. Yeah, this is um, – and it's interesting because we start today with uh, New Zealand, and there's not a lot to – really bring in from new zealand and we actually had a difficult time trying to decide which one to do and and really it kind of came down to uh 1995 because 1995 is a really good spot to start because that was really their first mega tour was that south pacific tour in 1995 yeah it was uh it was a big deal because like there was not a lot of bands make it over there you know you get your metallicas and your u2s and your michael jacksons and things like that but it was it was interesting for them and you know you know we we talked about the movie it was it was taboo to talk about for a long time but now i guess uh you know more people have access to it but if you look up the the pj movie the 1995 vitalogy tour movie whatever they're calling it 
it it documents this whole run from you know the southeast asia and australia and new zealand it's really interesting you know you capture them at a really interesting time yeah i mean they're on top of the world and you'll see uh this this is something that you could find on vimeo on youtube i think the youtube clip is a little it's it's a little sporadic so uh the full thing is on vimeo somewhere you can google it uh 95 Pearl Jam documentary, something like that. Uh, it's a really, really interesting watch. Uh, you'll see all the footage from the Asian tours, and uh, you know they're you know getting grasp, getting grasp for the culture, and you know you get to see the crowds, and it's really kind of an amazing thing. And you see, uh, there's not a lot of footage from New Zealand. There is some, which is good, but um, you get to see. In the beginning of the show, you get to see uh, when everybody's lining up to get in, and this happened, they show a news report from Australia where people are breaking down uh, fences and trampling each other to get in, and it's, it's insane. This is really the rock star lifestyle here. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's the Beatles in, on Ed Sullivan all over again, right? It's the – I mean, think about it. These, these kids in New Zealand – this has been their favorite band you know the pearl jam mania sweeps the world 1992 1993 1995 comes around this they're thinking this might be our only chance to see this band you know and they wouldn't go back until you know 14 years later so yeah i mean every <laughs> it looks like every teenager in the country they did play in 98 shows in new zealand yeah they played new zealand 98 i believe okay yeah, um, not there aren't a lot of new. I think it was just ninety five, ninety eight, two thousand nine. I yeah, think that was yeah. it. But but yeah, that's I mean, why like, it was so hard to pick. And yeah, like they were, and like I said, they we've talked about it before. They were the biggest band in the world. People, the crowds on this tour were just insane. Like people would be break, like I said, breaking down the barriers before the show would even start. They would be moshing, crowd surfing, pushing up against the barricades, like the. The security issues were real. Like, they really, I mean, they're lucky that we didn't get a Roskill in 1995 during this tour because yeah. it was it was insane. Yeah, and it's, you know, we're, we're going to cover, you know, something from either Taiwan or Manila or Japan, whatever's out there from 95. But you can tell the, the crowd is so much different from those shows compared to Australia and New Zealand. And you can tell, like, you, you sort of, you know, you take for granted that, you know, they've played Madison Square Garden ten times, that they've played Wrigley uh, five times, and they've played all these places in the U.S. multiple, multiple times. But when they go down to places that they're really not expected to play, it's this massive event. And I'll give you a good example um, I'm actually reading the book, uh, this all encompassing drip, uh, which is a book written by a fan named Jason, uh, talking about mostly the 2005 Canadian tour and the 2006, uh, avocado tour, uh, from the U S and, and Europe, Europe tour following. But one of the things from the Canadian tour that he talks about was the last two shows were in St. John's, Newfoundland. And the it was on a Saturday night, and basically everybody says, nobody comes to Newfoundland. This is the biggest event that we've had in years. It was a 7,000-seat arena, and 
after the show, there's this big, massive party in the streets and, you know, all the bars are open, you know, it's like the biggest event on the planet just because Pearl Jam is there. And then, you know, they get to the next chapter. He has to leave the van that he's traveling in uh, because that was the last show of the tour. He leaves the van in Newfoundland and he goes back uh, to St. John's and, and the place is a ghost town. You know, it's not that type of place outside of a big event like a Pearl Jam show. So that it goes to show that stuff never happens in a place like that. And, you know, you can see places like New Zealand, Australia, Australia maybe a little more because it's just, it's a continent and it's kind of standalone on itself. But New Zealand is very, it's small, like it's hard to travel to, especially if you're, you know, if you're from the States or even if you are from Europe too, like it's not first on your docket. So you got to be thinking to yourself, like, you know, if you live in New Zealand, if a band comes, this is going to be your only opportunity. And you, if you look at it too, I think the place they played was, I think it's called the Mount Smart or something top. It's almost, it looks like it's almost a tent that they erect for concerts like this. And it does not seem like they were prepared for, for something of this magnitude. No, no. And I mean, you get to see it later on with shows even in the U.S. that just aren't equipped for the fans, but uh, this is this is just in a world of its own, and it, it, it's cool to kind of go back and look at it. And obviously, we'll we'll talk about it all in a second. But uh, it, it, it's going to be a fun little ride. What we're doing the next couple couple months into the latter part of the year. So before we get into the music and get into, you know, more of the time period and stuff like that, uh, we got a couple of things that we want to throw out there. Um, since the last episode that we did, the top 10 episode, it was recorded before Christmas. We just wanted to send a thank you to everybody that took part in the no code vinyl giveaway that we did. Um, you know, we, we did the, the fantasy set list draft and, you know, we were really excited about seeing, you know, who would pick, uh, which one of our set lists to go on and raise funds for one of our charities. And John, you were able to win and yeah, it, but you know what? It raised uh, yeah. a lot of it raised a good amount of money for uh, a cause that's really near and dear to you. And I'm Absolutely. really happy that you know the fans had our back. And a lot of people said to us like, "Look, you know, I don't need the vinyl. You know, you guys, uh, you know, just wanted to make a little donation. So I just want to both of us just want to thank you guys for you know putting in." Uh, your time and your interest and uh, you know congratulations to Steve McCallum who was able to win the vinyl so yeah absolutely should be getting that in the mail soon yeah thanks everyone I you know I sent a lot of the people personal messages on Facebook if I if I didn't send one to you I apologize um but yeah that that meant so much to me I you know thanks everyone from the bottom of my heart for real like uh I was I was happy to win I think you know Dirty Frank probably pushed it over the top for me. Um, Happy when I'm crying, Angel. Yeah, yeah. had a lot of stuff there. And but I ended up with Porch and Rearview Mirror and Release and a bunch of good stuff too. I think I had a good balance on there. So I'm looking forward to defending my title the next uh, the next time around. Uh, But yeah, it it was it was so great to see everyone donating and people sharing it and spreading it around. So yeah, thanks everyone so much. 
and we are going to do more of these set list drafts. Uh, I think it got a really positive reaction when we did it, and we can't do it as a full episode every single time. It's just, it's a lot of work. Obviously, I added music under every single song that was picked. It's a lot of work to do. So uh, they are going to be Patreon-exclusive episodes. And it'll be, look, if people want to do them, all, all hands on deck, but they will be first come, first serve to our patrons uh, because it's just the fair thing to do. So patrons out there, if you donate to the show already, if you want to do a, a fantasy set list draft, we are going to look to do one in the next couple weeks. What do you think, John? Absolutely. And can, can we do one now? Like, I can't <laughs> all right. Wait. What's your first pick? <laughs> You can I'm take holding release again. That. Oh, come on. Yeah, we'll 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 do it we'll do it a couple times throughout the year. We'll get we'll get in some and I, I know they're gonna get real popular and they're a real lot of fun to listen to too. So look, if you want to do them, just send us an email live on four lights podcast at gmail.com. Head on over to Patreon and subscribe if you haven't subscribed to Patreon yet. Um a big thank you to a lot of new subscribers to Patreon too. I know we got a lot of new December and January ones. So big thank you to you guys. Yeah, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully you get there going back and in and listening to all the, the content that's over there. And, you know, we're, we're excited to make more. So, yeah, thank you guys so much. You might have to dig for some things, but look, there's uh, we did. I mean, this is over a year ago now. We did the New Year's Eve show from 1992. That's not something that should just be passed upon. We did Storytellers was another mm-hmm. thing we did. And, and maybe an easy street. <laughs> at some point it's funny you mentioned that i actually <laughs> i got in touch with uh with the the key master and i asked him uh if he'd be able to uh s- support the hashtag for easy street and he he did look and it was a failed first attempt but we're we're gonna see if if uh another key will will open the vault so okay uh, I have hopes for this. Like he he said that he kept his tracks in a certain place. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think we'll get it. Maybe not till record store day, 2012, oh, okay. but, but we'll sure. see. Um, okay. but anyway, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff on Patreon, the evolution episodes we've talked about before, uh, alive wash leash. leash. Yeah. <laughs> I almost said lead corduroy. Corduroy State Eleven Trust, and last week, what did we do on Patreon last week, John? We started our Bridge School series we with did. the the very first Bridge School show that Pearl Jam did in 1992, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I hope people have gone out and uh, and listened to that. Yeah, it's a lot of great discussions in there. We get to talk about a period of the band that we don't usually talk about, and kind of a setting that you know we're not going to necessarily talk about on the actual podcast so it's look it's more exclusive material um it's only available on patreon those things and you know obviously it's monthly subscription based and you know but we're not looking to make any sort of profit on anything we're looking to do things to put back into the show like meetups for the tour we're gonna you know my wife and i are gonna be in amsterdam and we're thinking about doing a pre-party before one of the nights in amsterdam so maybe doing some shirts maybe doing some fun raising uh and then you know things like doing jeopardy again i think you're gonna see jeopardy coming up soon in january once again we'll we'll figure out a date for that uh but you know more giveaways exactly yeah poster giveaways you know anything you know we want to give back as much as as we're getting so uh 
it, it really means a lot that people continue to give month by month. We want to make sure you get uh, you get uh, your money's worth. You're right, John. It, it really we really do appreciate you guys chipping in. You know, just a dollar a month is all we ask for. We're really we're more concerned with getting our content out there and getting you guys that really enjoy the show even more content. And if you guys are asking for it, we're going to give you more. And that's why you could probably expect something up tomorrow. That's a little bit of an extra thing. John and I really don't get to do a lot of non-live discussion. So we might throw in here and there some, you know, extra talk, maybe, you know, rearranging albums or, you know, just just fun things that'll take like 10 or 15 minutes to, to listen to, so... Yeah, it'd be a little something for you on on your commute to work or something to listen to. Yeah, yeah, nothing nothing too fancy, and it's Pearl Jam content. You guys all enjoy Pearl Jam content, and that's why we're all here. So, uh, speaking of Pearl Jam content, uh, I mentioned before fantasy set list draft. How about the fantasy league, the Pearl Jam fantasy league? I've I've kind of uh, mentioned this a lot on Facebook and Twitter the last couple weeks. And we are starting to get the wheels in motion to get them back. And, you know, we're doing five leagues, and that's a lot. I, I'm committing to this, John, but uh, we're I'm, I'm kind of excited because, you know, we this is really how the podcast started. Yeah, this whole thing is new to me. Like, I've never done one of these before, but I, uh, I'm looking forward to, to learning more about it and, uh, and dominating it uh, once again. <laughs> Hey, I am the reigning champion of the Jack Irons League. So, and it's not because I knew my own rules. It's because I was good. I picked up UR when it was getting good play and and all that. So, you know, just just to just to kind of mention what it's about. You know, you have your fantasy football, you have your fantasy baseball. All fantasy sports are huge. Everybody knows that. Um, and what it is is basically instead of taking the top players you are drafting songs. And so for your first overall pick, you're going to want to draft something like Alive or even Flow because you know it's guaranteed that they're going to play that every night. So the points come when they play your song that you picked. So it's kind of like, obviously, you have, you know, Better Man and, and Daughter are going to be off the board the first round or two. And then, you know, the strategy is later on. What are you going to pick? When are you going to pick songs like Faithful or... So, so how, many, how many points do I get when they do play Happy When I'm Crying? Well, that's the thing. For rare songs, it's going to be three points because we'll have a system... You know, well, I'll, I usually pick about, you know, 20 to 30 songs that almost never get played. Stuff like Other Side, Bugs, you know, I mean, we have to account for things like even a little goat now because you never know when something like that comes up. So, yeah, happy when I'm crying. It's it's going to be on the board now because you just never know. But um, usually we do offer for rare songs like that. We'll put them in a different category. They'll be three points. Covers are worth two points. We have a system where you take one of your common songs that's usually worth one point and you can make it your love boat captain so it gets to be worth two points. So there are going to be ways and we're going to kind of work with some things from the last uh, year that we did it and sort of make some changes and, uh, and you know, 
find other ways to to attain points but it's all in the draft and like fantasy sports you can drop songs pick them up you can trade with other people it's it's a lot of fun and look it, it's it's pearl jam nerdism at its best so that's, yeah so yeah be on the lookout for for more information about that when we get closer to the shows and we'll uh yeah hopefully we'll be able to fill that up and it'll be lots of fun Phil, look, it's it's filling up quickly. So get in touch with us, live and four lights podcast at gmail.com. Uh, DM us on Facebook, whatever you can do. If you're interested in the league, just let us know and we will try our best to hold a spot for you. But that's again, patrons will get first dibs on that because they are patrons. So if you do want to be in the fantasy league, being a patron is a, is a good first start. So there's no guarantee for anything, but definitely the people that have uh, gotten in touch uh, are definitely going to have a spot right now. So with all that being said, I think we can start uh, our little travel here as uh, we start all the way. God, I barely know where New Zealand is. It's it's in the middle of the water somewhere. It's uh, it's Lord of the Rings, Flight of the Concords. Yep. That's, uh, Taika Waititi. My co- yeah, my cousin just came back from there. He he was there on his honeymoon oh, nice. like a couple of months ago. He I mean his him and his wife love Lord of the Rings, so that's basically why they went. Yeah. They sent out their Christmas card in front of one of the I don't I don't know anything about Lord <laughs> of the Rings, but the, the it, their Christmas card they were hobbits, so sure. you know, that's them. Uh but yeah, New Zealand. Uh again, it's just really interesting because big bands and and small even smaller bands like a band like i don't know take the top band of today oh god i don't want to because none of them are very good uh, how about a band like coldplay do you think a band like coldplay and i'm not saying they're the top band today because they're not which i should mention before we continue this conversation did you see the billboard top 10 rock songs of the 2010s no, you could not pay me to read that. Okay, because it's it's god awful garbage. Oh, I'm sure. It's like there's like five Imagine Dragon songs. Did you see that these Strokes have a new song called "Ode to the Mets"? I did not see that, but I am going to listen to it the minute that we get off this conversation. So, hey, when when you get a couple of losses in music, you get one back, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, okay. no, we're uh, we're doing uh, night two, Auckland, New Zealand, yeah. nineteen ninety five. Yeah, the the last show of their little Southeast Asian, Australian, New Zealand run. Uh, there was kind of, you know, February, March, nineteen ninety five. It was kind of they had already done they had done a show in DC in January where they were debuting a few things. They had recorded Miraball in in January and February. Right after this, you would get Eddie would go on do the Mike Watt tour, where you would get like you know they started playing Habit and things like that, um, and then you know later on in '95 you get you know the everybody and we talk about Soldier Field and all the the drama that happened in San Francisco and everything and you you know you're off and running, but this little run here there's you know there's not a lot of set list changes like we would we would get later. But it's still like really good shows. They were still like coming off Vitalogy. They were on fire live. Yeah, I look again height of their popularity. Vitalogy mm-hmm. is 
in contention one of the biggest albums of 1994 1995 and you know they're they're just up and away like one of the most popular bands in the world and uh vitality is just it's this album with so much firepower with such a fiery punch that um it's hard not to get into these songs at this yeah. this stage in the game and, and it was self-pollution radio too in january 95 that was broadcast all over the place so right a lot of places like this in you know and they they heard that in australia and in japan and in taipei and in you know new zealand that that was broadcast all the place so after coming off that you know people it just made people want to go see them even more yeah and you know they were lucky Building enough to hype. Yep, they were lucky enough to get two shows down in New Zealand, and the first show actually was the one I, I initially, when looking at the set list, was the one I wanted to cover, because you open up the sh- that show with Throw Your Arms Around. I will come to you in the daytime, I will raise you from your feet, I will kiss you in four places, as I go running down your street. I'll squeeze your life right out of your heart. I will make you laugh and make you cry And we may never forget it As I'll make you call my name As I shout it to the blue summer sky And we may never meet again So shed your skin, let's get started It's, it's really cool like and the reason they did that if you if you go back and watch the little clip from the the tour movie they the crowd was just in a frenzy and this whole show this whole tour the crowds were just nuts i mean you'd have people breaking down the barriers like i said moshing before the show starts getting thrown over the barricades pushing up to the front before the music even started so they did that to kind of like slow it down, like let's not start with go, let's not start with lax exit, where it's just gonna, it's just gonna incubate that feeling and make it even worse. Let's start with something slow, get into it easy, and let's you know take care of ourselves, as he likes to say. Right, and you know that went into oceans on that night, and it's kind of like the slow burn before there were really mm-hmm. the two song slow burns, but on this night. Uh, you know, they kind of have the same approach where they are going to start off slow. They're not going to start off with go or last exit. Uh, they're starting off with release, which obviously it never goes away. There's really never a time period in the band where release is not part of, you know, the, the, the full set list. And we should mention too, the, the recording from night one that we have is not very good. It's one of the the, recording from this night's not great. It's. Right. It's it's someone, I mean, I have no doubt it's someone with a cassette recorder holding it up in the crowd somewhere. Which we and, thank them for yeah, doing. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're a hero. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, and there's there's a lot of songs missing, probably when the, the tape ran out and they didn't notice and waited to flip it over, missed a couple of songs. So it's an incomplete recording that we have. So that's probably not one that that we're going to cover on its own at some point. So it's 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 you know it's right feels right to mention it along with the show. Yeah, and you know, look, there aren't a lot of episodes that we're going to do that don't have pristine recordings because there are so many that 
are just flawless. Even bootlegs from 1991-92 that really sound terrific. Uh, you know, especially we do these Around the World episodes, we're going to be doing things from uh, Budapest and uh, and Prague and places that... Finland and... Yeah, yeah you know, we yeah. really don't know what we're stepping into with some of these bootlegs. So it might not be the most pristine quality, but, you know, it, it's it, it's interesting and fun to discuss. It's about the discussion. It's about discussing the time period. So maybe a little bit less music-wise in this one. You know, the, they, there will be clips, but, you know, the, the, the crowd is really loud in it. You can't really hear the drums. You can't really hear the bass, but... You know, it, it is. But you know, and but we do know that the band does have it because they they filmed all these shows. Yep, they have them in the archives. So maybe someday, like the first song in the set list says, "Release me." <laughs> oh yeah, his and his voice sounds so good. And like, and you can tell even the crowd knows all of the the little surges. Like when the when the song when those waves kind of crest in the song, you know. <laughs> Like, ah, like they they know when those when those moments are in the song, and they they react to them. It's it's really cool to listen to. Like the crowd is just a, as much a part of this bootleg as the band is. Absolutely, yeah. You'll you'll hear there are some really really good crowd moments in this show, and uh, you know, again, this is they don't know when the next time is going to be, so they got to act like it's the last time. So they're, they're fantastic. I can't say enough about them. Um, but it's, you know, to start it off, it is really, it is a real 1995 set list. You go release, go last exit, spin the black circle, tremor Christ. And that is very standard 1995 right there. But for all intents and purposes, it works so well. And there's a reason why they did it like this almost every other show. Oh yeah, I mean, go and last exit into Splendid Black Circle is it's, it's perfect. Like it's the three the three fastest songs that they have probably at the time, and it's it's gonna get the crowd into a frenzy like even more. Like it's crowd surfing, people going crazy. You know, you would have had to been you know people flipping over the front. Like you got you got to be hardcore to be in the front for these. Yeah, it's you know this is not. You know, this general admission stuff that you see now where you're riding the rail and, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you get to move a little bit with the audience. This is this is dad ed era. This is nothing compared to that. We'll, I mean, we'll, we'll get a little story of that next week, probably. Yes, we will. I think uh, I think you'll get your fill of that and your fill of what 1995 was really like from uh, a voice of the podcast themselves. So uh, really, I think a standout in this little section here is really spin the black circle i thought this was a tremendous version (laughs) 
two really fast ones. You can it's it's sort of a spot where if you don't hold up, it can die out a little bit. But this one felt mm-hmm. like it's just as energetic and the momentum is on an all-time high it really yeah. flows so well and just like they did with versus you know a lot of those early versus shows you would get you would get go animal maybe a glorified g a lot of times they'll they'll start the album with the first song early and then play it almost in order a little bit almost halfway right so you Dissident get a last exit spin the black circle tremor christ not for you early so you're getting they're giving you a little bit of taste of the album in order a little bit early it's one of those album promotion tricks that most right. bands do where, you know, you want to get the early stuff in because everybody knows the later stuff and, you know, they're going to be uh, more energetic when the later stuff. But at this point, like, Vitalogy is, what, three months old? Came out Four, on, four or five? Yeah. yeah f- came out yeah. in November, right? Uh, December, I think. Hmm. I December, think the, the, November, vinyl, yeah, the vinyl same. came out two weeks earlier. I think it was... I want to say well, November. John doesn't collect CDs, you guys. November twenty second, I want to say, and the vinyl okay. came. Out I thought it was that. like December twelfth. That one's hmm. sticking out in my head. Riot okay. Act was, I don't know. It it, it doesn't make a difference, but uh, sure. yeah, that's it's around that time. So after Tremor Christ, you get a little arpeggiated bit from Ed and he talks to the crowd. It's really tough to hear what he's saying the whole entire night. There's just little bits and pieces, but he says it's a great day. It's the kind of day that'll kick your ass. And then he gives another safety warning to people in front. And uh, that's because they are getting into an absolutely torrid version of not for you. Oh yeah. This, and this is where, you know, Ed would put on the guitar. You know, the, these the first few songs he's just on the microphone, and then they they kind of do sections where he would he would pick up the guitar and play, and you get a little of that here. Um, but yeah, great version of "Not for You." Some nice stuff from Mike. The crowd's into it with the clapping, and you get that original outro that I love. The little ding 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 ding. They it goes a little longer. A little play yeah. with it. Yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> transition so nicely it's a seamless transition right into rearview mirror and uh rearview mirror being the seventh song in the set you're thinking to yourself like oh that doesn't really make a lot of sense but ed's on guitar you don't get a lot of guitar changes at the time so it does make sense to do the two back to back and it and you know and we haven't done an evolution episode on rearview mirror yet but it it it's a tough one yeah, it hadn't quite gotten to the point where it that it became, you know, that cylinder. Um but yeah, this this version is great as well. You know, they kind of let that moment linger after after the, you know, the what I could not forgive. They kind of like hold that for a little while. It's really cool. The bridge has a nice jam. It's mm-hmm. not it's not full fully extended like we see today. It might be like a minute and a half to two minutes before they really start pumping up with the baseline and stuff like that. But it's a really powerful ending that's just as blistering as you would hear today. It's you, know, oh, yeah, you get Ed screaming his ass off at the end. Like he's yeah. It would have been so cool. Like he, you know, I wish 
we had the video of this, but he just jamming on the guitar, screaming. It's it's it was a different look for him at the time. We weren't used to seeing that, but but it was the beginning of something. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this you're not going to get him on a lot more songs after this, uh, but to get this two these two in a row is uh, a fantastic little spot here. After Rearview Mirror, Elderly Woman, Animal, Why Go. In this section, I thought especially Animal was was really why it just had just this palpable energy to it. <laughs> first couple songs and it has that palpable energy but this feels oh, yeah. like it's not a mid-set song this feels like they would perform it third or fourth oh set. yeah and and jack had a really i really liked his versions of the the songs from 10 and verses he really did a lot of interesting stuff and really propelled those songs forward and i think and it really fit where the band was at the time i mean his drumming on animal is fantastic um, it, the band really plays off of him and why go the same way? Like this little section here is great. And then, you know, after why go, you get a little, uh, get a little downer. Luckily the, did you catch what he said after that? Yeah, it's kind of impossible, but he says, he kind of jokes. He said, we haven't told anybody this, but this is mm-hmm. our last tour And that, I don't know that that goes into like really the idea of vitality of it being sort of the anti rock and roll album of hey we're not these popular rock stars we want to do everything the opposite way you know it's kind of like anybody that's trying to be like us or say that we're put us in this spotlight that we've never asked for it's not what they're about so i don't know them making this joke is not you know that that's to me, it's not. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little it bit of it's a little bit of pandering too, because then you get yeah. like, oh, you know, there, there'd be no better place to end it than right here in Auckland, New Zealand. <laughs> you know, but they're not that type. Well, yeah. they're not that type of band. But I mean, I think that that's something that that would that would come up every now and then. He he says that occasionally. But you know what? I, I look if if they're doing if they do it for Chicago, and it's like okay, yeah, 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 you've been at Wrigley a bunch of times, but this is New Zealand. Do they know at this point the next time they're going to be back in New Zealand? No. Right. So you might as well just, just pay yeah, it and, up. And this too, like these, we, you know, we're, we'll, we'll keep mentioning it, the crowd in these versions, like especially Animal, Why Go, uh, Jeremy, like just you can hear them almost louder than the band. Like you can there's There's 13,000 people. Jeremy. 13,000 people in this venue. I mean, that's yeah. less than you get at, at an arena show now, but it sounds like there's 100,000 people there. Jer- Jeremy really personified mm-hmm. that for me. <laughs> Thank you. 
their biggest song, you know, f- from 92 till, till now, no matter what they do, their Jeremy's always going to follow them. And, and obviously for it being your biggest song and you're playing it in a place that you're, you know, where your fans are just waiting for your hits, which I guess we should bring this up in a second, you know, speaking of hits, but Jeremy is one that uh, everybody in the crowd has to be waiting for. And once you hear that Jeff bass, bass line to get into Definitely. that, you're you're on board so one song i think we need to mention it right now because you know what better time than now uh one song that didn't get play on a show even flow right um if if yeah i think it's there have been this is the fifth show in a row of this little tour that they hadn't played it and if you remember i think there was an incident in i want to say it was bangkok in thailand where a fan rushed on the stage and like got into a fight with the security or he tried to tackle Eddie. And it was, I think it was a function of just trying to keep the crowd at bay. Cause like even flow was, again, it was one of those ones that everyone was waiting for. You know, they, these people have been waiting three, four years to, for them to come to, to New Zealand to play that song. Right. And I think it was probably them trying to, I mean, it might be an, you know, a you know they're they're moving on. Even flow, you know, might not fit where they are at this time. You know, we're kind of getting a, we're moving from Vitalogy to No Code, and Even Flow is definitely an older Pearl Jam song uh, style. Even it might be a function of that. It might just not fit, or it might be a function of them deciding not to play it to keep you know keep the crowd at bay for a little while. I, I think it's a like little probably one of those two things, if not both. I think it's a little bit of that and a little bit of just like, hey, maybe if we kind of pause on it for a while, because this was the last show mm-hmm. of this tour of of, uh, of planet Earth, uh, <laughs> for a lack of better terms. Uh, so maybe they're thinking like, hey, if we, we hold off on this for a couple of shows, then we can get back when we go and do the States uh, back in the middle of 95. Uh, we'll be back doing even flow and it'll sound good for, for our guys in the States. So I, th- I think, you know, they're a band that they get bored with stuff rather quickly. And, you yeah, know, and, it, and it did come back. You know, they did play it in sure. starting in June, July, and September, November. Oh, so. I, th- I think people out there know that even flow came back and – pretty much never left <laughs> but yeah check I mean, the numbers is, on it but you know how many times now are you going to get five shows in a row without even flow in between shows from 2000 to 2002 and 2000s a weird year where you know they're not doing a lot of weird stuff uh looks like it, it skipped nine shows that's the most i can see from <laughs> those years there's six in between 2003 and 2004 most of these are like three. Oh, if there's a four, uh, in between Greece and Sydney in 2006, there was four show delay. This is really slim pickings, you guys. We're just, you know, we're, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here. So this, but it just goes to show you how rare getting five shows is from 94 to 95, actually. So, the first show they played it in 95, it was nine times since they had played it last, Paramount Theater in New York. Okay. So, 
Uh, and I know that there were some SNL appearances in there, and their you know uh, live footsteps does count. Self pollution radio self -pollution. and all that. Yeah, yeah, so it's not. There's no perfect science to this, but again, it it's just it's there to show you how rare it is to get more than a couple of shows in between uh, even flow. So you know, ninety five. How many times they they played it? Uh, 27 songs, 62.8% of the shows, which is probably one of the smallest percent. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. To, if you go to 96, it's 91% of the shows. Mm. If you go to uh, 98, it's 92% of the shows. So it, it's, you know, th that's no surprise to yep. anybody. So. It, oh, yeah, it's their, it's their number one played song of all time. Yeah, again, no surprise. Yeah. Uh, so even flow not being played, Jeremy takes its place and, and, Pretty much, you know, if you're in the crowd, I probably wouldn't think differently. I'd probably just be like, hey, look, they have three albums worth of awesome material and we didn't get Evenflow. All right, well, cool. The next time they come to New Zealand, I'll be really psyched for Evenflow. So not a big deal. Uh, this section, though, is Jeremy, we talked about Glorified G in Before Daughter. Daughter sounds great here. I really like when Daughter has that, like, fine wine touch to it. It just it felt so smooth. It felt like it went down really well. Absolutely. I, I don't know if it was the recording or, or what it was, but it just it, – it had this just delicate, you know – uh, it's not really the sing-along. It's not the really up-tempo version, but it just it it just had this smooth, really nice feel to it. Yeah, and you get the and again another song that gets a huge crowd response. You can hear them singing along to every word. Yeah, and of course I have to mention that the that we get a little bit of Fugazi here. common for 1995 no it actually I think this was this was the last time of in the 90s that they played it it was and it was the only time it was ever tagged off daughter because uh they would do it all of 92 but daughter not being a song in 92 it was just mm -hmm. kind of placed here and there in random places so yeah it, it came you, back in at pink pop in 2018 after yep. got 23 years that's insane yeah I mean, it, it's and it's such a and, and it's great that they did go back to it there and in a special spot mm -hmm. where it deserves to be. But man, this is such it's a song that has such a a good standing with the band that, you know, they it, it got them through a lot of the early years and a lot of good content on boots. You know, you hear those lyrics that Ed is just some sometimes it's not even to a band accompaniment ed is just kind of singing it in between songs so and it kind of just feels like a jam and it, it, it's really it's a really good part of their history in a time where they weren't utilizing a lot of covers 
And I don't think Fugazi ever made it to New Zealand. They might have, but I'll have to go and check. But, you know, that was probably Eddie bringing a little bit of one of his favorite bands to somewhere that they might not have been. Little section here, State of Love and Trust, Garden and Corduroy. Well, uh, you get a you get a little you get a little, another you hear the crowd going Eddie Eddie, which was yeah. a common thing at the time. He was being, you know, he was kind of being you know, quote unquote glorified as as the rock star, and he goes, oh, he has master. a little, he has a, he has a good little comeback to that. I if, you, if you caught it, no, dude, he goes, it was uh, tough to hear. he goes, call me Mister Vetter <laughs> or Severson. Whichever you prefer. Well, that that's that's old old school. I don't know if if they were uh, ready for that, but probably yeah. not. Yeah, not not until not until the documentaries come out. Right. Um, state is blistering. It's fierce. It's oh yeah. You know, Did you notice Jack? Like halfway through, he starts going into. I think you know when I was a man, we used to call it just one. Where he's hitting like it's like the beginning of Last Exit, where he's just hitting every beat on the snare, like doo, yeah. Doo, doo, do, do. It really turns the song into a into a whole nother level and by halfway through it's really cool. versions of state of love and trust like this it's just it becomes unforgettable and you're in the meat of the set list right here and i i've sort of forgotten what number it is because you're thinking to yourself man these songs can be played at any point in the set it's such a long 20 song first set that you sort of you get lost in it and that's what's great about this show yeah, was there even an encore break? Like a lot of places, it doesn't show. I don't even think they did an encore break of this. I think they might have just gone I, straight through. You know what? I listened to it, and it really sounded like between porch and blood, there was a little bit of a pause. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. gonna, I'm gonna consider that it. Um, okay. And we should mention the the recording does cut out a couple of times in this, so we yeah. don't we don't have a complete like unedited run where we would be able to tell if there was you know two or three minutes of silence so we're just going off guessing at this point really but yeah state of love and trust is great garden has a nice nice outro section a nice mic solo and then you get uh ed puts on the guitar again yeah corduroy sounds great uh i mean that beginning what do you think about the beginning because again with the audio it's it's a little tough to tell but it sounds like almost like Jack is trying to extend the intro if you listen to it and then you listen to it again and it just sounds a little bit too seamless. Did you notice that? Like almost, yeah, almost like were... Ed's guitar didn't come in at the right time. So right. It, it, it had a weird sound. To it. It, it sounded good. That was the thing I was, I was kind of expecting them to extend it a little longer, but and yeah, I think he he wanted to do that. He, they they still weren't sure. I think how it was all gonna fit together live, you know, because you, you get the versions from Self Pollution Radio, which is so good, and we hadn't quite gotten to the version at Soldier Field, which is unbelievably amazing. Um, but you know, this was kind of a. I think they were still, and you know, maybe and maybe it was Jack playing around with it and like, hey guys, like maybe we can we can work on this part or do a little of something here. But did you hear him at the beginning? He says, uh, you know, this song's about my jacket, and it sounded yeah, like he said this song's about my mom, and this song's about opportunity. 
Is that was that what you heard, or am I reaching for straws there? I, I I am not sure. It is really difficult to tell. We might have to call the replay booth on that. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to so. send it to the send it to the lab for analysis. Yeah, who's who? Who would be our who would be our lab and uh, statistician? If you're interested in that, send us an email because we're we are hiring <laughs> for, uh, for. We've got the live on four legs detective agency, and now uh, we need now we need the live on four legs analytics lab to go through uh, some of these. We 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 really need like more actual professionals, like professional <laughs> editor, professional recorder. I, I, I don't know why we're wasting time on getting lab technicians, but <laughs> anyway, the the job is open. Uh, I guess we're doing interviews at some point. But yeah, like I mean, por- but even at this point, Corduroy is is powerful live. Like you could tell it was going to become one one of the staples, and like it's it sounds like you said, like even though they're they're doing a little bit different, they're not sure how to end it. It's it's really powerful and really great. It's, it was a highlight for me. You talked about that. Um, uh, Salt Lake City version. Oh yeah, the, the, the almost eight evolution. minute version. Oh yeah, yeah. And again, you you said it. The ending, just they're sort of feeling out where it ends here, and the crowd is just going bonkers towards it. And I think you can kind of tell that the crowd is getting the sense that Corduroy, at sooner or later, is going to be one of those songs that's going to fit in a major spot in the set list. Definitely. You get after Corduroy a very early version of Lucan where even in a bad recording, you can't really tell what he's saying at all. Um, There's a lot of stuff about being away from home. Like he, he repeats that. That was, that was a, an, I think that was an early lyric where he has a lot of stuff about being away from home in Lucan. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, that first part, all I keep hearing is, I know I see, I know I see, I know I see my home. So I, I keep hearing like the word see my in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but it's definitely not like, uh, you know, walk down the street. I can't, can't find my keys to my own fucking, it, it doesn't have those same lines. It, it just, I don't know. Yeah. And he, he might not I have come up with that until they were in the studio for no code, you know? Yeah, of course. And this is, this is a song that it's so experimental in a way where it's just kind of like, well, fuck it. Let's just write a song. That's uh 40 seconds long. Uh, you know, you can do pretty much anything with it. You can, you can scream it and people yeah. are going to go insane. Just and there's, play it to, and there's a cool little guitar thing in the middle. I, I couldn't, I, you know, I can tell if it was stone or Mike, but a little cool kind of a guitar, not a, not really a riff, but sort of a little, some notes like that, I don't think ended up in the final version, but uh, something a little different there. I liked it. This is really, I, I'm considering this the end of the set. Better Man Alive and Porch, because uh, you get like a 10-minute version of Porch here. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, uh, you're you're ending the set on, on this kind of foot, and this is pretty much what they did back in 95. But, you know, Better Man, another one that fans are there. Better Man Alive, oh, yeah. Porch, like that's such a great combo to end the set on for this sort of, uh, you know, for this sort of experience that you're thinking to yourself, like how they don't need to come back on stage. You just got 20 songs. Right. And, you know, Better Man's another one where it, it hadn't quite, they didn't start tagging Save It For Later until 98. Right. So it hadn't quite become the standard, but it was it was already a favorite. They, they oh, play sure. it pretty straight. 
And then, you know, Alive, we talked about on the Evolution episode, 95 was kind of the year that uh, it was kind of a make or break year for Alive. Like, was it going to stick around? Was it going to fall victim to to the, what happened in Glorified G and Deep and Why Go? Right. Um, but it, it just kind of falls apart at the end. Like, you know, you can tell for me it sounded like their, their heart wasn't really in it. See, I actually liked the ending. I, I thought that. I don't know. It, it just it worked in some way. Like it was maybe it's just because it's different, and mm-hmm. we hear you know very canned, uh, generic, alive. Oh, careful, uh, careful, songs. careful. Look, and generic is not the right word, but when we're talking in terms of Pearl Jam here, you know, it's some sometimes they can get to play the same things over and over and over again. When you play alive at 700, 800 different shows, how many times are you going to play it a little differently? I saw this as being, as using their creative palette a little bit different. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting. I, I didn't see that their heart was out hmm. of it. Okay. You know, I, I actually like what Jack was doing there. He was kind of sped up the beat a little bit, and you know, maybe it was just a just trying it out, trying something new. time where alive was you know i guess kind of like maybe what you were saying with even flow not really in their favor talked about it the red rock show where ed says straight up like i don't know why we play this fucking song so right you know uh but i, I love this version i okay. really do cool i'll put it that way uh porch you love the bluesy stuff in porch huh it was it was interesting it was different you know it's and it's a 10-minute version of Porch, which always is, is cool. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's not not a fast version. Like, we, like you get a couple of couple of shows around this era. It's a, it's a little different. And what do you get tagged on it? There's an interesting Yeah, tag. he starts around around the six-minute or so. He starts, starts talking, talking about, I am, I am the ocean, I am the undertow. Uh, a little nod to a little song from Mirrorball that hadn't been released yet. Thank you. 
And that is my favorite song off of Mirrorball. Is it really? Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's, I mean, it's a good choice. Big Green Country has always been a, a favorite of mine. Uh, I mean, I love Throw Your Hatred Down and Act sure, of Love. Sure, like, those Oh, yeah, I mean, like, like I said, there's there's almost not a bad song on it. Even, even Fallen Angel is, is great in its own way. And like, yeah. But, yeah, I Am the Ocean, like, the way Jack plays on it, the the lyrics, the way it, it kind of thunders through, like, it's it's a great driving song. Like, yeah, I love it. You know, a real uh, fun fact about uh, another song we didn't mention from from Mirrorball, Downtown. Mm-hmm. I was watching a Winnipeg Jets playoff game one time, and during one of the uh, uh, you know face-off breaks, they were playing Downtown. Yeah, I think that was the single. I think there's actually a music video for Downtown. Is there really? People want to, yeah, I think you can probably, if you dig a little bit, you might be able to find it. Okay. Neil Young music videos are interesting, so oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I would love to see that. Cool. I didn't. I just figured it would be like I don't know, Act of Love or I'm the Ocean or something like that. Mm-hmm. But and yeah, Song X is great. Like, yeah, we could we could talk about that forever. But yeah, we'll well, we'll have to do a Patreon episode on those those Neil Jam shows from from the Middle East at some point. That would be great. Yeah. yeah, the only time they ever played Israel. Yeah. All right, I'm considering it the encore here, and it is talking before blood. Did you get any of it? I didn't. Okay. All right then. Whatever he was saying, I'm sure it didn't impact future world wars, so we won't even. I think it was it. a lot of stuff about the the crowd too. That was a big yeah. focus of this because it, I mean, just insane the level of excitement and frenzy and you know name name your adjective there. But right. I'm sure he was he was trying to get the crowd to calm down. Right. And playing blood, not exactly the way to do that. But no, you know. no. However, you. Blood is kind of the last of the rowdy songs this whole entire night because you get Black afterwards and Black is more impassioned and this is a really good version of Black where you get a strong We t- we Belong Together tag at the end oh, of yeah, it. Oh, that, yeah, that was great. And really from, from there on out, it's Immortality late set. Uh, Ledbetter, which is not on the bootleg, so we don't know how Ledbetter sounds. And then we'll get to the other two in a second. But um, it's interesting that they sort of, they kind of, they end more calm than they started. You know, all the heavy hitters were really early in the set, late in the first set, blood, and then, all right, let's let's chill out to end it here and do something fun at the end. Yeah, I mean, and Black and Immortality. Immortality is one of those songs that, kind of gets forgotten about by a lot of people i think but not me oh yeah it's it's a top five top ten absolutely yeah. it, it totally deserves a place in in an encore two or you know like that it, it it could easily be be a closer i think if if they had to but yeah they they jam out a little bit at the end it's really really cool and then you know led better would have been awesome i wish we could have heard it but just a victim of the of the times uh yeah but yeah, then then but Yellow Ledbetter's not the end of the show. Considering that Immortality does get that spot, like it deserves to get played in big spots, like you said. You know, it's usually reserved for maybe like mid set, sort of a cool down after something big, uh, a big section. But to end end the set with you know Jack's big drum uh, uh, section at the end there, which 
I would play it for you guys, but it is really, really tough to hear over the crowd, and uh, that that was one of the most disappointing things about this show is not being able to hear immortality at its full strength. Well, when this uh, when this show becomes Vault 147 in the year we'll 2031, then then we can go back and hear all the things that we missed. That's right. Yep, we'll be there. Episode number. Four hundred and seventy-seven. Hey, I'll still be here. <laughs> good luck with that. We'll both be putting kids through college at that point. Sure, sure. The podcast um, it'll be all ads by then. We will have completely sold out. It'll be mattresses <laughs> and you know dinner delivery services and the whole. We'll do the whole thing by then. Hey, John, have I ever told you about the time that my dog chewed up a toy and swallowed it? I called veterinarypet.com. I can't even continue. Oh, man. I, don't yeah, even, we, yeah. I don't even know the words that are coming out of my mouth. I can't continue. I'm, yeah, that's what you get with other podcasts. This is all grassroots, all DIY. Sp- sponsored by no one. Sponsored by no one. Damn right. Yeah. But yeah, we, anyway. um, you know, and we, I uh, should mention, we didn't mention it at the beginning, but this, this actually was the, the day of the famous incident where Eddie gets caught off surfing and has to be rescued by a lifeguard. I think they had gone out Is in the afternoon. Really? Yeah. They had gone out in the afternoon off, off the coast of, of New Zealand and he was, he was carried out. I think it was a few hundred feet with, he was actually with uh, one of the, one of the guests that appears on the next song and they, the lifeguards had to go out and like rescue them. Like the, that this was the day of that famous incident. Wow. Yeah. I, I guess that's what he was talking about earlier in the set when he said, hey, it's a great day. Uh, the the riptides and all of that, yeah. 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 That's, that's interesting. I, th- I thought it was actually one of the Australia shows, but that was interesting. Yeah, if you everybody will turn to their PJ20 books, page 162, you can read all about it. John's on top of it, you guys. <laughs> So without a lead better, uh, we don't really know what's happening. There's a lot of crowd noise and kind of stuff going on. And and during the crowd noise, you know, Five Horizons doesn't have a lot of detail on this. And, you know, uh, Five Horizons is sort of the end-all, be-all when it comes to this stuff. Uh, right. So other places like Stat Tracker and Live Footsteps are, are using uh, Five Horizons to determine what happened at the show. But... Um, I didn't know what was going on in this long break here. It's because uh, Neil and uh, Tim Finn are taking the stage. Yeah, they come out. I think uh, it looks like one of them. I think Tim is the guitar player. Maybe Neil is the singer. So they come out and and do a couple of uh, of local local split ends songs, and the crowd absolutely eats it up. Yeah, yeah. This is. I mean, they're they're the local celebrities. It feels like this is probably the band that you know you can see a couple a couple times a year in New Zealand and you know they're they at that point it had been 10 years since they put anything out and uh you know I think the Finns were doing crowded house at that point right maybe a little earlier so that was uh was their one song that was pretty popular don't dream it's over hey now hey now, hey hey now. Don't, don't dream it so oh yeah I remember that song yeah, so that was their song. I think that came out in 87. Uh, okay. And they were kind of done by the early 90s, and I think uh, Neil Finn had started working on other things. But um, you might recognize the name 
if you're not familiar with Crowded House or Split Ends, you might recognize the name because it has another tie to another uh, artist that has uh, a tie with with Eddie, and that's uh, Liam Finn because that's Liam Finn's father. Um, yeah, I got actually got to see him open up for Eddie in uh, in the on the 2009 tour, the solo tour that he did. He was fantastic. Yep, I saw him open up. Uh, pj20 and you know awesome awesome experience he's a wild guy so uh you know made for an interesting show for sure yeah there's uh, but, there's a there's a little quote from here in the in the pj20 yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. If, I, if you can if i can have the the spotlight for a second i want to read this a uh, story neil, time yeah a little pull pull up around in a circle everyone uh, neil finn says uh i'm going to quote here my son liam who was 11 at the time was a very big Pearl Jam fan. Vitality, Vitality had just come out. We got a message from the promoter that Eddie was quite keen to hook up. Would Tim and I want to come to the show and maybe get up and sing something with him? I may well have been into it anyway, but there was no way that Liam was going to let me not do that. Eddie's a very charming guy, but he was quite stressed out in those days. There were a lot of security issues on that tour, and he was real nervous about the barricades at the front holding up. But he was very gracious and welcoming of us. We worked out two or three songs in his trailer, and doing them was fantastic. I must admit I had no idea Pearl Jam was such a good jamming, freewheeling band. I was deeply impressed from the side of the stage. It was a good introduction. And then he goes on to say there was a funny little upshot of that night. The review in the Herald the next day was very complimentary, but it made a disparaging comment about how the show ended with my brother Tim and I. It was an odd thing, but I think Pearl Jam may well have been intending to come back for an encore. So that kind of ties in with like maybe there wasn't a yeah right uh, yeah and then he, he goes on to say history repeats ended up being the last song of the show the review made a very snide comment that it was a nice gesture but it made the show end with a whimper and not a bang which i was really incensed about i've had bad reviews before and i can cope but i don't want to be the cause of a bad review for somebody else i sent the guy a real nasty letter that's the first <laughs> and only time i've ever written a letter to a reviewer and i gave him a real nerve about it so that's uh, you know, that's a little cool something from from one of the guys who got to be a guest at the show. And I get why somebody in the media is sort of calling them out because when you're thinking, hey, Pearl Jam show, you don't want to end with the local band that everybody knows, the split ends. Like that's not what everybody is technically there for. We like personally I disagree with that. Like I, I'm just seeing the devil's advocate other side of it. Uh, what, what could be going on through their minds. But um, I, I think and, this and is I the think exact the, the band was, the band was fans too. Like they were split ends fans. They were kind of yeah. it was nice of them, a nice gesture from them to bring them up and say, Hey, we like these guys. We we're here with you. We, we know your people. We'll give them a shout out. And it's, it's cool for them to be like, oh, Pearl Jam like knows our knows our band, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think I thought it was great, and and it's a great version of History Never Repeats. I Got You is a great song, you know, going back to the early '80s. Uh, I thought it was a great way to end the show. One of the versions from Night One ended up on one of the fan club singles, I think, from that year. I think History Never Repeats. Yeah, from Night they, One. I, yeah, they would go on. They would play. I think they would play it a couple more times. I think they would play one of the songs a couple more times, but. You know, again, not stuff that you're going to get very often at a Pearl Jam show. Yeah, and you and you know you get and you get the Finns taking the first verse, and then Eddie would come in and do the second verse, and the crowd would just go nuts. You say I always play the fool. I can't go on if that's the rule. Better to jump than have. 
That's how they close the show both nights. History never repeats, mm-hmm. and now I got you. Yeah, and uh, it looks like I got you got played in Australia a couple times in uh, 2006, and 2000 it got played in Italy and Pittsburgh. So nice. changed it up a little bit, yeah. And then back uh, New Zealand in 2009. So that's hey, that's cool stuff, um, and catchy songs that you're not going to hear from the band at all unless they go back to New Zealand at any point in time, which, you know, hopefully for you guys, I know a lot of the Australian crowd is really hoping for a tour at some point. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm with you guys. I think, I think it's about time. They haven't been back to Australia uh, since 2014. So hopefully what, when, when, when was the last time they played Atlanta? Oh, 2012. Hmm. Don't, you, hmm. You don't live on a continent <laughs> with nothing else around you. You can drive oh, I, I to might as well. Nashville. Get out of here. Entitled selfish. Hey, we've had two hours of Pearl Jam since 2003. We are due. But I'm, but I'm with you, Australia. You I, feel your, had, I feel your pain, Australia. You haven't had... Two hours of Pearl Jam. You've driven to Columbia, South Carolina. You've driven to Greenville, got verses. You went to Memphis. You've been all right. Oh, it's not the same as the hometown show. <laughs> all right. Uh, top three from this show. All right. Um, uh, it was it was so tempting to go with with the the last two, and they were so great. But I have to stick with. Uh, with the Pearl Jam songs. And my number three is going to be Daughter. Um, getting the suggestion tag the last time it would show up for 23 years. Uh, thought it was really nice. Uh, the crowd singing along, definitely a huge crowd response. Like you mentioned, sounds really just fine wine, aged perfectly. Yeah. Uh, Stone's got a nice tone on the guitar. You can definitely hear that in the bootleg. Uh, thought it was fantastic. Um, my number two porch and getting the uh the little tag of eye on the ocean thought it was fantastic 10 minute version uh love it every time and then my number one is going to be not for you the the not for you rear view mirror uh smash up that we got there just just fantastic like that that was the number one highlight for me trying to think of three different ones because i like a lot of what you suggested there so uh, I'm going to go number three, and I will say just the appearance of the split ends in general was just uh, pretty awesome. Uh, number two, I'm going to say how good the crowd was, and specifically on Jeremy, how reactive they were, and, and getting, you know, you're again, you're not getting even flow at this night, so this is the biggest song that you're getting, and to see 
a crowd react to a band's biggest song, especially this one, is is uh, is exciting to to see. And uh, number one for me, I I really this is so classic '95. I love Spin the Black Circle. Uh, you know, sometimes nowadays I I say it's a song that you know if they play it too fast, it can kind of trip over itself. But this was at a perfect speed. It was perfect energy. The you can tell how the band is is performing on stage and how they're feeling and it just it was in that nice little section in the beginning where you're getting those really high energetic songs and it did really really well in the set in 1995 spin the black circle was probably my favorite pearl jam song yeah that's i mean 2005 for me probably (laughs) but uh all right what do you uh what you gonna rate this um you know, and it's hard because you know the the recording is not great. It's it's a it's a C recording at best. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's hard to to really do a deep dive on it. And you know, if we had a better recording, this might change. But I'm gonna say I'm gonna say seven and a half. Like it's great. You know, it's but it's I couldn't really I didn't really get as much into it as I probably could have. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to say eight. Uh, I'll bump it up a little bit and give it an A because the last show of this tour, you get some special moments in there. I'm going to say eight. Final answer. Yeah. um, I have all the same points of view. Uh, I, you know, I think the bootleg is kind of important that you sort of get a good feel of, you know, how, energetic the band is and you can feel some of the aspects of it but then again you know there's some points where you just really can't get the full value of the songs and it's not because they're performed wrong or or bad uh it's just you know it's it's some guy's cassette that he's holding up in the air so again the guy's a saint and you know thankfully we're able to uh 25 years later get this into a podcast but um i think this is a a solid seven and you know uh potential of if we had a good bootleg recording of it potential it could be an eight eight and a half so i think it's just doc just a point Hmm. for you know minor bootleg flaws but i you know outside of that I, i really didn't really have many negative aspects of the show i think it's pretty standard set list wise for 1995 which is is good you're you're gonna get a little bit of change up here and there but you know uh uh basic is best when it comes comes to this point and you're you're getting pearl jam at their best and it's really about performance so i've i've i felt a lot of good energy during this one definitely so where are we headed on the flight on the next around the world show I think we're going to do just a short little jaunt over to Australia. We're going to spend right. some time, send some time down under. And uh, in the time machine, how far forward or backward are we going to spin? I think, I think we're gonna we're gonna set the DeLorean to 1998. It has been a while since we've done a 1998 show. That it has be... been a while. Yeah, um, I think the only 98 shows we did last year were. The MSG shows, and we just kind of ninety-eight and ninety-six sort of escaped us. Yeah. So I don't know why. Yeah, nine, um, ninety-eight was ninety-eight was a big year. There'd be a lot to talk about. Yep. These uh, that show specifically, it's one of uh, Jack's last with the band. So you know we're kind of 
this section here, we kind of failed to mention that this was really, this tour was really Jack's first foray into the band. I know he did the Bridge School shows in 94, but this was really Jack's kind of uh, uh, coming out party debut with the band, so to speak, uh, during this whole whole tour. And then we're kind of fast forwarding when we do that Sydney show, it'll, it'll be the end uh, of Jack. So we kind of get a chance a very rare chance to talk about Jack doing some of the yield songs that he helped write. So yeah, that'll be but, really cool. But, but before that, we're gonna we're gonna sprinkle in a patron episode next week. What do we have next week? All right. So anybody that pays attention to Jeopardy or the trivia or you know some of the cool fan stuff that we do, they know who Deborah is. You've probably seen her name before if you follow us on Facebook. Uh, she's awesome. She's one of our patrons, and for months she's been saying, "Hey, let's do this." It's the day uh, her first show ever, San Diego, nineteen ninety five. We're not we're not going to spin the dial back too too long. We're going to stay in the same year and see how it kind of progressed from March to November that year. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to that one. I think it's going to be great. Deborah's going to be a really good guest, and uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy it. It's 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 good to have a lot of our episodes that we've done with guests that have gone to shows have been more recent stuff because you know that that's pretty that's pretty standard. But to get one that is back in '95 where somebody can say, "Oh, I was in." I was in the pit and, you know, I was waiting online and this and that. Like, it really paints a good picture of what the time era was back then. So I, th- I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. Yeah, can't wait. All right. So that's it for the episode. If you want to follow us on Patreon and subscribe, patreon.com slash live on four legs for all of our exclusive content and there will be an exclusive episode the next day after this comes out it's just going to be us kind of bullshitting around a little bit and we're going to try to get something new on patreon every week whether we do uh you know just a little 10 minute spiel or we do maybe a blog post or something like that whatever's just on our minds you know who knows we can have some news coming up at some point soon where there could be a lot of things to talk about you know it'll be yeah you know and 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 now we're you know we're getting rumors of of more tour dates and album stuff so this is going to be a big year for pearl jam so it's kind of gonna. It's gonna be come to the the forefront of uh, of our consciousness this year. So we're gonna Absolutely. try to try to keep up with that and and give you guys a, a lot of content. Strap in, you guys. It's gonna be a fun one. So, first show of 2020 is in the books, and we will book our flight to Australia in two weeks. Until then, we will be back next week with San Diego. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways. I miss you already, and I miss you always for John and Randy and all you Kiwi New Zealanders out there. We will see you next week. I got you, and that's all I need. Bye. Now that you're in
I'm 